Sure. There was never a moment where there was like my voice felt, I felt like my voice was being heard. I felt like my opinions mattered. And so then you go home and it's like, all you want to do is argue and fuss and fight. And like with my girlfriend, I, we would get into these like dumb arguments and I didn't want to be a jerk, but, and, and with like friends with everything and, and you just, you, you have no peace. You're just trying, you're desperately trying to feel like what you say and think matters. Hey, I'm Michael Panic, And I'm Michael Ray. And, and we're, we're the, the Michaels. Michaels. We worked together for eight years and through many hopeful and hopeless situations. Today, we each work jobs we love and enjoy life every day. During our time as co-workers, we ignored a lot of warning signs, which eventually caused issues in our personal lives, affecting family and friends. Our work-life balance was out of whack and we didn't even know it. This podcast is all about recognizing potential issues and advice on how to correct your course of life and work. This, this is, is Work-Life work Balance. Hey everyone, we are back with episode 16 here. Now this episode kind of, this is a lot because mm-hmm. this is the point where you've gotten to where you're not quite sure what's going to happen next. So we call this, you know, quitting your job two different ways. And we kind of say it jokingly because even though Panic and I quit on the same day from the same job, or not the same job, but same company, We'd quit two completely different ways. <laughs> very true. <laughs> the one way was very prepared and one was very not. And I was the very not. So, uh, but we're going to go through some warning signs that we were experiencing that basically kind of drove us to some to where we were and to that quitting point and, and panic situation, finding his other job and so forth. And my situation was simply, I just quit cold turkey <laughs> with nothing to show for it. Yeah, you were the turkey, all right. I got real sick a couple of days later because of my anxiety kicked up. Like, oh my gosh, I did something I didn't think I'd ever do. Yep. Uh, and that's for both of us. Honestly, from both of our opinions, we've never like hard quit something like that. You know, we yeah. finish something. We'll reach a finishing point, but we've never like, I'm done. I'm done. You know, I'm out. So anyway, but yeah, let's get into that. Uh, so panic, I know that you had the better approach in terms of quitting. So, so you, but reality is you saw a lot of these warning signs probably better than I did. I think I was more blind. I think you, I think you wanted to be, I think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people would rather uh, pretend like everything is okay than admit there's a problem. I mean, that's pretty common. Um, that isn't, you know, I think that makes you very normal and human and I, I mean, we obviously both did it forever, but I think I knew that the end was near way. I know I did way sooner than you yeah, because you I was looking for jobs <laughs> way yeah, before I, you. Were. I will say, I think I hadn't, I noticed that you were doing something different because, uh, you were taking longer lunches occasionally. Yep. And <laughs> I, <laughs> Yeah, there were like 90-minute lunches in there, and I was like, this is a little weird, but... Some of those, I was just like, I lived pretty close to our old office, so I was just kind of going home and <laughs> and re- relaxing and just letting the crap of the morning kind of go melt off for a little while, and which is a pretty good, I think, sign. Uh, this, this should all be taken, I want to say, and like most of these, if you're a manager listening to this, if you manage people, these should all be pretty good warning signs that your people are about to quit too. I mean, I think most of these things that we talk about on the show, you can take two ways. This is for you as an employee uh, or for you as an employer. Um, 
as an employee to see, man, maybe it's time to move on. And as an employer, time to say, man, maybe my people are about to leave. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say so. My uh, my dad deals with a lot of management of people. And I remember him telling me a long time ago that uh, when you have people that take a long vacation and then they try to pack, all of a sudden they pack in a couple of sick days right after it. He's like, typically that means they're probably going somewhere else. Yeah. Because um, it's if there's no motivation at all to come back to work, other than making money, of course. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, so if, yeah, like Panic was saying, if you're a manager in this position, there these things is what we're looking at from an employee standpoint. But at the same time, as a manager, you should be able to see these things happening. And you can stop them. You can prevent someone quitting on you. Uh, but at the same time, you can't force them not to quit. Right. It only makes life way worse for everyone involved. Period. Yeah. So... So let's start with the first one. Um, first warning sign that it's probably time to, to move on or that you uh, may need to is if you have, and this is the easiest one, if you have another offer or offers slash you're getting headhunted slash you have people asking you to come work for them, those kind of things. So I, I, for me, I will say that my uh, rocket fuel in leaving my job, what really kind of pushed me over the edge after so long uh, well, I, th- I think, let me say it like this. I spent a long time believing that I was pretty unhirable. I thought, okay, at first it was true. I didn't have the skill set I needed to go work a uh, similar kind of job anywhere else. I mean, I was kind of in a um, position where, you know, I needed probably more technical abilities than I had, um, but I wasn't really being challenged in the job and growing. It didn't have a reason to. Um, so then I had to kind of go out and, um, learn on my own and, and start, you know, getting involved in teaching myself more of those technical skills I needed. Well, I found a really great local group of developers and programmers, um, that encouraged me. I saw, wow, I'm really not that behind as I think that I am. And they also encouraged me to get better. So suddenly I'm hanging out with people who are brilliant, who work in some of the highest, uh, technical jobs in our whole city and uh, and really in the whole area. And so it was very encouraging when they're, you know, saying, yeah, you you may not be as good as some of these other guys at this, but you're, you know, you're super talented with this and we don't know anything about that. And I was like, wow, I thought everybody knew everything about that because it's what I do and it's simple. So it shows you kind of your strengths and weaknesses to find some community, but it also suddenly now people know me and they're mm. like, hey, we have a UI developer job opening up. You interested? And I'm like, uh, it's scary. Right? Uh, it was terrifying. It was like, I, I, I'm I, che- I'm, uh, it feels uh, like you're cheating on someone. It feels like you're cheating on your girlfriend, man. It's like, it's like the other girl just asked if you want to go make out and you're like, I, no, <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I do, but no, like, <laughs> you know, it's like a really scary thing to be faced with that kind of option. Mm-hmm. It, it was. And, um, I'm talking about one instance in uh, specific where this guy came to me and was like, you know, yeah, I think you'd be a great fit. I really want you to work with us. It'd be super cool. And it was just terrifying. So, but I think that was kind of the beginning of the end. It was. I was super unhappy at work, which we'll get into some of that. Um, And then on top of it, I'm starting to get, I mean, other offers. And I knew the pay was going to be better. And I knew I liked the people that worked there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but but change is scary. But change is scary. But it still it was still enough of a catalyst to get me going to interviews and, t- and talking to people and getting on phone calls and stuff. Um, and I'll say, you know, what you were saying about going to other groups and kind of being around those type of people. Just in general, you should always surround yourself with people that want that makes you get better. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. whatever your passion is, surround go find groups that are related to that passion. I mean yes. I'm not here to promote Facebook, but Facebook has groups for that. Uh Meetup has groups for that. Meetup is Meetup.com is a pretty great way to find very niche groups mm-hmm. that meet monthly essentially. Crazy niche groups. Uh, like there's groups that just do photography, just do WordPress, just do dogs, just do f- uh, WordPress websites for photographers yeah. that take pictures of dogs. Yeah, <laughs> it can be high, or you can start your own group, right? Sure. Uh, but no, so I'd always encourage you, not even related to like you know quitting your job or whatever, but whatever your passion is, surround yourself with people with that same passion, yeah. and you'll get so much better because you're. Because no one in that group is the best of the best of the best, but they're very good at something within that passion, and you're not as good as they are, and you can learn from them, and they can learn from you. Right. You're uh, better than them at your thing than they are. It, and, it, it yeah. raises your uh, expertise and your professionalism toward that passion. Uh, just like even like for me, I'm in sales, and so one thing that I do is I'm part of what they call B&I, and B&I, like, they have a lot of higher level professionalism they have to go into it so it it pushes you neck to your next level because if there's no one there to push you why do you do it right you have to be self-motivated but then you don't get any reward yeah other than than a pound your own back and that's hard to come by and so i'm gonna always encourage anyone that's listening whatever your passion is go go surround yourself with people like that because who you whoever you surround yourself with is who you become over time Mm -hmm. And you never want to be surrounded by people that you hate. Yeah. That you can't true. stand because eventually you can't stand who you become. Um, and then you're that same person. So I just, all that being said, find community, find community. That's it. It may be your church too. Uh, it may be other places, but, but if you, I know you're passionate about something, I don't know what that something is, but I know you're passionate about it. And just ask yourself right now, pause the podcast, say yourself, what do I love to do? And then see what happens and just think about it. Um, Welcome back from your pause. I know that you all just pause the podcast because you're all good listeners. <laughs> Let's hope so. Hey, e- email <laughs> us. Tell us what your passion is. Sure. We'd love to hear about it. Um, Which, I'd love to hear about people's unique passions. I think that's like one of my favorite things to hear what people get really jived up about. So sure. Email me. Tell me what you love. Mm-hmm. So, which... Perfect segue into next morning Ooh, sign. Perf- I didn't I, even think about it. I didn't it. see it till now. Our next morning sign. You have no passion for your work anymore. Oh, yeah. And that, okay, so that one's tough because some people can say, well, I've never had passion for the work that I do. <laughs> and I get that sometimes you got to take a job to make the money yeah. to make life, right? At the same time, there are bits inside of your job you can be passionate toward. A janitor can be passionate toward having a clean room that they clean every day or having making sure that everyone that comes into that building never questions the cleanliness of that building. Sure. Some janitors are just, they love being janitors. They're yeah, just very yeah. passionate about it. But like, if you, you know, you didn't have any other options, you took a janitorial job. There's something, well, I think you, um, uh, another example is like uh, the, the school janitor that loves to form relationships with the students and be their confidant. We, I had several of those growing up. Yeah. And the janitor job was just a, 
uh, segue to those building exactly. those relationships. Exactly. So there is there should be something you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. I, like even for me, so uh, I think one of the things that kept me moving as long as it was, my passion was the idea of growing a business. And because and, Panic and I have talked about this before, my, one of my big passions is creating a workplace that people want to come to work to. Now, granted, where I was before, I never had that opportunity. We tried, but there were some leadership that wouldn't allow it. That we didn't have the leadership we thought we had. Yeah, um, plain and simple, we didn't have any type of decision process. It's funny that we thought we did when we could also like we're like, yeah, we're decision makers, and they would make decisions, and they weren't made. <laughs> Nothing changed, but we're like, yeah, we're we're decision makers. Yeah, I don't know why we. Ah. Yeah. Anyway, but so so you don't have passion anymore for what you're doing. Uh, think about why you don't have the passion. Where did it go? Why did it go away? Um, is it a person that caused it to happen, or is it the job itself that's causing it to happen? Um, have you just grown tired of it? And we're not saying that you hate your job. You may just realize, like, God, this is just a nine to five now. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to stay late. I don't want to think outside work about work you know i i just want to get my paycheck if you're just a paycheck only person start looking yeah start looking around what what do you want to do now because i'm not gonna lie generation before us you had 30 40 year careers you did like when you got your job at a bank or at xyz company uh insurance company you stuck that until you retired like I, i i know a lot of people that they're only they've had one job in their life. And or, they're very proud of that too. They, and they're proud they wear that there as for forty five years. Yep. I have a wicked pension plan that's dying, you know. <laughs> so I also hate my life and my wife is miserable, but hey, but I have but I have a garage full of crap. <laughs> 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 it's to you, my child. <laughs> anyway, I saw a great comic on that. But uh, no, what why is your passion going away? You know, answer those questions can can you answer those questions you should be able to and you should really start thinking about okay my passion's gone what do i want to do now what do i love to do and sometimes it's hard like because you're stuck in a a rhythm that you can't think outside the box i mean i'm not gonna lie when i was at the previous company i was in a pure fog i couldn't see a week ahead of me type of thing. I couldn't see myself. I, all I could see was this. I'm in the same dang company mm-hmm. trying to make it work for however long. It's kind of survival. Yeah. You're just like, I'm just going to wake up and breathe, eat, work and go to sleep. That's my life. And it just, it's, it gets real hard to actually start thinking outside of that because you like we mentioned earlier, you feel like you're cheating on someone because you're thinking outside that box. And maybe even the manager catches wind of it and all of a sudden they're like questioning you, high, like high questioning you, gaslighting you. Yeah. Is what they're doing. Yeah. Threatening you, uh, basically trying to defeat you uh-huh. from thinking that way. Right. Which, by the way, managers, if you're a, <laughs> that much of a butt, you've, you're going to lose people very quickly, but that's common. And it's a beautiful irony to like, you know, it's, it's the boss is, is screaming at the whole company, you know, why is morale down around here? You You bunch of idiots. Like, you know, that's, that is such a common picture. And, and yeah, it's like, 
you know, if you if somebody doesn't have passion for their work, screaming at them about it is not going to help. No, I mean you'll have people that will just straight up leave oh, yeah. because they don't want to be treated. I mean, let's not remember. Let's, let's say let's not remember. Let's not forget. Everyone's human. Mm-hmm. They have they put their pants on the same way you do. They live life similar to you. They have stresses similar to you. So stop be stop making it sound like they're just minions. Yes. Just stop making them be like these. Uh, com- they're not computers. They're they have, not going to sit there and crunch stuff all day. They have wives and kids, and they go home and they go out with their friends and they do things and they have passions that have nothing to do with their job. And don't forget that. Yeah, yeah they're they're people. Just just treat them like people. Right. Don't treat them like. Never treat someone beneath you. You are no better than they are. You're not. Just you're, because your title ranks you in the hierarchy, blah, 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 you're, you're literally no different from that person. All you've done is made better decisions, or not better decisions, but different decisions. Yeah. And maybe you've just been doing it longer. They'll yeah. probably have your job someday. Yeah. But here's the thing. You were born into this world the same way they were, and you're going to die in this world the same way they do. So remember that. Don't be that person that hadn't didn't care about anybody. Right. Uh, just anyway, side note, but yeah, <laughs> let me segue into the next one with this. Another sign is that, and this is going to, you're going to see this theme a little bit is like, if your passions, um, are, you're not passionate for your work and you start trying to compensate by doing things outside of work that you are passionate about, but those feel shot down, distracted. Maybe, maybe they feel that way. Maybe they are literally being shot down by your management or whoever and and suddenly you're you're you can't find passion in your work at work you can't do it outside of work and you're just miserable our next warning sign is that you're kind of angry and edgy all the time and not not just uh but but maybe not even necessarily outside of the office really just in the office it's like when you're at work you're kind of pissed off when you go home, things are okay. You're tired, maybe whatever. But it's like when you're in the office, you just you're just kind of mad. There's well, not good days. Well, really. I remember when I discovered when you and I were talking about this podcast after we quit. We're just talking about how life was better and so forth. But we talked about how you didn't have to go home and try to win arguments anymore. Yeah. Because at work you couldn't win, and right. so it was a constant battle. Yeah, I feel like I was kind of a jerk a lot of the time. I but, mean, yeah, because you were simply at, at work. You were, it was always a loss. Like you, mm-hmm. would, you would never win. You know, it, of course, I'm air quoting into a podcast, but you would never uh, have a true win. It would yeah. be like, oh, you won. Let me pull the carpet underneath, uh-huh. and just trick you because the next day you definitely lost. Sure. There was never a moment where there was like my voice felt I felt like my voice was being heard. I felt like my opinions mattered. And so then you go home and it's like all you want to do is argue and fuss and fight. And like with my girlfriend, I we would get into these like dumb arguments and I didn't want to be a jerk. But and, and with like friends, with everything. And, and you just you, you have no peace. You're just trying you're desperately trying to feel like what you say and think matters. And you're not getting it eight hours out of your day. You got to try to do it somewhere else. Yeah, when you got to win somewhere else. Right. Uh, but yeah, I just, it, it's really the the opinion thing. 
value your people's opinion mm. and mm. and show that you value it. Don't just listen to it. Oh, that's great, but we're doing this. Yeah. Every, like there's a there's a certain level you have to say that because if you're the owner or whatnot, you know, you have a vision that your people may not, but it is a hundred percent on you that you show that vision to them and get them to buy into that vision. So then they can start making decisions around that vision. Right. Because you're the leader, be it show the, it. The managers I have now are pretty masterful at this. Um, they, and especially with clients and I definitely don't have it with clients. I'm getting better and they're very good examples of this, like to, to learn from, but man, they're ama- It's amazing how they can tell, you no, but make you know that they appreciate what you said. And it's not even like a hard stop. Like that's, and that's part of it. It's not this hard stop. No, screw you. We're not doing that. It's more of a, that's a good idea. And I think that there's going to be a time where we can implement that there's going to be a time where we can do that but that time is not now that's the way to approach it now if you really feel if somebody's like i think that the whole office should be required to drink kombucha and listen to sufjan stevens at 9 15 every morning you can be like why do you feel that way that's you don't say um no and you don't say that's stupid you can always just ease in why do you feel that way like well that's because that's what i like to do and you say, okay, well, that's, you know, I, I appreciate you and your unique interests and whatever. I don't think that there's necessarily a strong reason we should make the whole office do that. And when you say things in that kind of a diplomatic way, it doesn't. It gets them thinking. Yeah. It says, oh, you know, I guess not everybody likes kombucha. I never thought about that. You know, it's like, duh. Most people hate kombucha. Yeah. <laughs> but when you when you get your own employee, I feel like we're talking to managers more than anything today. But They kind of are. Uh, when you get your own employees to think outside their own box, you start to win. Yes. Because then they start thinking about the company and how what they do affects everyone. And so they need to think in that holistic look. That's how you build team mentality. Mm-hmm. You don't dictate it. You don't demand it. You build it slowly with that kind of culture, that kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Final word on that. My favorite phrase for the last several years that culture trickles down. Um, it's the, it's the Reaganomics of, uh, yeah. <laughs> of office culture. It trick, it truly does trickle down who you are as a person, as the founder owner of a company is going to trickle down to your upper management, down to your middle management, down to lower management, down to the ground links. It, it goes all the way through. And, and you'll see when those managers aren't buying in, they'll eventually leave. Yep. They totally will. So if you're feeling edgy and you're feeling angry all of the time, it's probably uh, a good sign that there's something wrong. And if your people are edgy and angry all of the time and it's not, and if it's like more than one of your people, if it's one bad apple, that's one thing. But if you, you know, if you're angry, if everybody's angry, something bad is going to happen eventually. Um, so what is, uh, I feel like, I feel like these all kind of segue nicely. Cause what's that next point, Michael, you see work, as nothing but misery. Bingo. Which that goes all the way back to our very first episode when every mm-hmm. day is a Monday. Yep. Uh, yeah. When work is, if you can't say anything good about your work, anything like, I, I like if you're like, Hmm, I hate my clients. I hate who I work. I hate my coworkers. I hate my manager. I hate my pay. I hate driving to work. I hate the commute. Why do you keep doing it? Like, if you truly hate it, now sometimes you trick yourself. Yes. Sometimes you put yourself in a position where you think you hate it, 
but just not necessarily true. There may be a bit to it, and it's just propagating to other pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to identify that because sometimes your entire your workday is miserable because of one person. And if you can fix that in terms of either accepting that that's just who they are and they're they're not horrible people, that's just who they are, and you have to understand their personality. Um, but it, it can ruin everything. Sure. One person can make you quit a great job. Well, and if we're being honest, that one person is you, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say let's say you work in a mid-sized company, and there is one person that you just can't stand. I'm, I'm very fortunate that I really like all the people I work with, but I'm going to uh, make up a coworker. Um, I don't work with anybody named Bob. So this is Bob and I can't stand Bob, uncle Bob, just can't stand uncle Bob, you know, <laughs> Bob kind of think of, uh, if you guys have watched Mad Men, think of the character Bob from that and the, the famous line, you know, not great, Bob. That's how I feel. I, I don't like Bob. And, um, <laughs> and so I can go home every night and like call Peyton, and just complain and just be like, you know what? I can't stand Bob. I'm going to snap. I'm going to scream. I'm going to kill Bob. Like I can't deal with it. I cannot deal with Bob anymore. And you can tell everybody how terrible Bob is, but you know what? you the, the problem suddenly is not Bob. It is you uh, and the way you're choosing to deal with Bob. Right? Yeah. Creating gossip work gossip essentially is going to get you fired. Well, eventually. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, if you're sitting there just, being negative towards someone and I have to work on this too. Like I've, like I've been told, we all do, we all do but I've been told like, I'm a, a realist realism type person where I'm just like not up or down, but I can lean toward negativism a lot. Uh, I think it's just because in my head, uh, I look at worst case scenarios a lot of times. So I just start, being, I'm more negative than I should be. Honestly, I've gotten better, but I've gotten much better. I'm not great yet. I got a long way to go. Um, the I think the proper way to deal with Bob is um, is not to wait for Bob to change. Here again, we've we've talked about this. This is go back to these other episodes. We've talked about this. It's, it's not wait for Bob to change. It's tell your manager. Listen, I know this sounds weird, dumb, petty, whatever. I don't like Bob, and I find it hard to work with him. Can I please not be on a team with him? Now, managers, if you ever had somebody come to you and say that. Managers, uh, a good manager sees it before they come. Sure. Uh, but if they, if you didn't catch it and you caught off guard and it's like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know Billy hates Bob. Oh my gosh. Billy um, hates Bob. <laughs> so, uh, what do I do? Well, just know that, uh, you know, this person could just be totally miserable. They could feel totally miserable and they could be pinning it all on this one person. It's better to, you know, separate them, remove them. And if you are pinning your misery on this one person, sometimes that's very hard to get away from whether it's called for or not, whether it's justifiable that you're miserable because of this person, it's still a good idea to try to separate yourself from them. And so don't let yourself get in this pattern of like, man, I can't stand my job. My whole job sucks. You like probably something about it. You just don't like Bob. Mm -hmm. So cut, cut out the Bob, just, just cut out the Bob, get, get rid of the Bob. And, uh, and, and things will start to feel better. So that's kind of a, a twofer. But the warning sign is if you're just miserable, um, it's probably a sign that you're ready to go. But before you base your whole decision to quit your job on that, make sure you know why you're miserable. Yeah. Because some it's, it's kind of like that person you meet that's on their uh, fifth or sixth uh, marriage. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry. You're the problem. You are the problem. Like, yeah. Sorry. 
You are. There's this, there's a common denominator, and it's you. <laughs> there, I, I mean, like, one divorce, get it. Two, maybe you really pick the wrong people that are just abusive to you. But maybe they really were abusive. But after so many times, you should learn a lesson. And, like, this is not a dating marriage advice, relationship advice podcast. No. I'm not going to get into that. I don't know what I'm talking about. But I'm pretty safe to say after four or five, you're the problem. Good problem. Uh, all right, moving on. So the next one is th- this one is you, you can quickly identify if you have this problem or not. You're constantly arguing with management. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so this is how this can go. One is you're arguing with them because you don't believe in the vision that they have. Like you don't believe in their leadership and their path and what they're trying to do. Honestly, if you're at that position, you may be that person that needs to start your own company. Honestly, maybe. It depends. Maybe. <laughs> it depends, right? Like, if you see, if they're going down a path that you can't agree with because you see that it's never going to work, there, there, there's a, an argument there. Maybe you should start your own company. Who knows? But the reality is, most of you are not that way. I'm sorry. But a lot of you, if you're arguing management, that means you're not, nothing's changing. Because you're arguing probably about the same mm-hmm. thing. Over and over and over. And it, all it is is just a slight very. It's like the same problem, but just another piece of the problem. And it's either management can either fix the problem, because that's up to them, or you have to move on, right? So, but no, like, I, I, I think with, with Panic, Panic is more can argue more than I can. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> just straight up. He's more I wit- come from a I come from a fine <laughs> pedigree of dense arguers. We are never wrong. And see, panics. like I, I don't argue near as much. I just say, oh, okay. I just accept it. You're a wise man. Uh sometimes. Sometimes it's worth to argue because if you're not doing something right and you know it, you gotta and that's another thing. If you see management or coworkers doing something wrong, bring it up. It's not whistleblowing. It's taking care of business. I don't even want to hear that word anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, but no, like, because here's the thing. If they're doing something wrong, it may be deeper than surface what you see. Sure. And you, it could go very deep and be causing some serious, it serious issues. Company. It can. Yeah. Right. So I, I think you're right. Call out um, truly, truly bad behavior and, and not in a demeaning, rude way. I mean, do you know. Approach it the right ways, but, um, yeah. but yeah, I, so to the point of like, if you're always arguing and if you're always arguing the same points, you can see pretty clearly things are not getting better. Things are not changing. Probably they never will. It's, it's time to start thinking. Think about how exhausting arguing every day would be. I don't, I mean, I don't have to imagine. I, audience. <laughs> Think about if every day, okay, panic. I was just like, panic dealt with this. He had an argument almost every day, in some form or fashion. And I will admit, some of them were my fault. Some of them were definitely my fault. I think, I think it was because I just wanted so desperately to feel like what I said and did mattered. It, it's like a, I, mean, I was like a kid acting out. You know, oh, yeah. you, you want to, you know, when mommy and daddy don't care, you act out so you can feel like something you do has any effect on the world around you. It's kind of where I felt like I was. I just wanted to feel like it mattered. So yeah, there was an argument, and some days I straight up I was just like, I don't want to deal with this. But there was an argument almost every single day. Yeah, and that sucks the energy out of you because mm-hmm. then it makes all your other work harder. Oh yeah, because you don't have the 
it's been sucked out of you. And so, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're going home worn out and you literally can't identify what you did that day, because you were arguing probably, mm-hmm. you were legitimately just complaining, arguing, fighting something. Now, everyone's got to do a fight in a job at some point. They got to fight for something or defend something. But it shouldn't be a daily occurrence. Right. It shouldn't necessarily be a weekly occurrence. Like, there should be a couple of weeks here and there that's just smooth, right? I mean, that's just nature of business. Like, there should be ups and downs, but not all down. You, you, get, you get locked into a box, and then all of a sudden you can't get out of that box. And it just makes everything miserable. Going back to actual work-life balance, now all your life is being affected. Yes. Because no you, more balance. There's, it's all one-sided, yes. 100%. And you can't see 10 feet in front of you to see the problem. Or like I've heard people say, you're staring at the forest, but there's a tree in front of you, and you can't see beyond mm-hmm. the tree. And so, yeah, it's just... And it, you just get in this fog. And that, that fog is so hard to get out of. Oh, yeah. You, you'll fight tooth and nail, and you may make no progress. Like, you'll just feel this And you'll horrid, go into depression. Yeah, it gets very depressing when you, you, you just feel this horrible funk come over you all the time, mm-hmm. which clouds your judgment, which keeps you in this cycle, which keeps you in a bad job. I mean, it's all, everything we talk about is very much the same. It's very cyclic. It all works together. I spent a long time trying to find the silver bullet. What's going to make me feel better? I like I don't sleep and I'm depressed and like um, I've given up all my hobbies. I've given up on my hobbies and I feel bad when I try to enjoy them and all this stuff. It's like, what is the silver bullet? Well, what sucks is like there's probably no silver bullet. It's all cyclic and you've just got to start doing a well, piece at a time. Qu- quitting your job. Maybe. Quitting my job is a huge boost. But man, I couldn't have gotten there without dealing with some of the other stuff I dealt with last summer. I couldn't have, I'll say this, even if I had quit my job, I'd still be dealing with a ton of stuff if I hadn't like gone to therapy, um, and, and worked through some of those things. Like my, my, uh, therapist really helped me through a lot of things quitting the job. But prior to that, we worked through a ton of other stuff and I'd probably still be unhappy. I did all these sleep studies. Well, just because I quit my job didn't mean I was necessarily going to sleep better. I Again, all the you just got to pick apart the little pieces of it and make everything a little bit better. Um, because to remember, the thing to remember here is that quitting your job is not necessarily just instantly going to make your life better. And if you do it wrong, it's going to make your life miserable. But we're going to get into that yeah. a little more later. But I guess our next thing here, uh, you feel like you're a bad kid in the group or the bosses that lead you to feel that way. So, and this is something, I mean, Penny, I know you felt this quite a bit cause I saw it happening. I, I was, I, I, this is always a frustration to me. I've always been viewed as like a golden child teacher's pet teacher's pet, but you're not, you're I, so not. I, I get labeled that a lot. Right. Um, it's just, that's just not you. It's well, so all, and I, I, my argument to that is simply, I do what they ask me to do, and then I put the effort into it to do it. So, but um, yeah, and I I'm, I I kind of I don't say hate it, but it's just I've been labeled at all my life, and it's very frustrating. I can imagine. Um, 
just because like I, I'm not trying to be the teacher's pet, the golden child. I'm just I'm I'm a yes man. I, I just say yes and do it and just. I don't even know that you're. I wouldn't even label you as a yes man. You're not a teacher's pet. And you're not a yes man. You're just. I don't. You're just like a good person, and you're a like, strong worker, and you have good work ethic. But you're not afraid to like pipe up when things are wrong. You're you won't do things that are morally questionable. You you have a strong compass about you. So, but See, my yeah, head's getting larger right now. I, yeah, I can actually. It's starting to fill up the whole space. But it's just the the truth. Like you, uh, you. I see you get labeled as that. Not even just like in our past job. I see people perceive you as that way. Your favorite example is that nobody wants to cuss around you. Yeah. They feel bad for cussing around you. That's and then, so and funny. And then when I've thrown out a cuss, and it's so funny because like I, I don't say, hey, don't cuss. I hate it. Yeah. Because I've, 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 I've cussed around a couple of people and they're like, oh, and I was just like, what? You know, just sometimes <laughs> like, the fresh. Sorry. Yeah. My gosh. I'm not going to, no, I will not cuss on this podcast. But uh, all that being said, yeah, people think, that they're offending me by cussing. Right. Now, I'm not going to lie. I think there's a certain level of, uh, you shouldn't make cussing as like part of your common language. Right. Like saying the F word constantly in normal conversation can actually make you look like less of a person in some degree. Right. I, I, I agree with that. Uh, and it could either make it just, just think about that. But, um, no, yeah, I've been labeled that, and I've had people about the the cussing piece. I, I they and they say, "Oh, you're just a goody two shoe," oh and I'm just like, I'm really not. I I just I know I want to do what's right. Yeah, and, and I think in person. I and have. I will say this, like, uh, and I'm learning this. I'm I'm having a hard time learning this, but I'm also like I I give a lot of myself to people. Like I have a servant mindset. You do, and. Which is good, but at the same time, it can ruin me at the same time. So I have to be conscious of that. I'm trying to get better at that, uh, and there's a balance for sure. But I think part that's part of my misery was that out, that servant mentality at my at the previous job was sucking everything out of me because I was like, I have to serve, have to serve, you have to keep the peace, got to be the balance. Yeah, yeah. and uh, ha- you know when a support ticket would come in at eleven o'clock at night, I'd want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't have. Right. Right. So the antithesis yeah. of all that was kind of me um, where I, again, like my family, we're just we like to argue and we don't see it. It was so weird um, before the relationship I'm in now. I never saw arguing as a negative thing. It's just something you did. It was like a pastime. You know, some families play catch or or cards or whatever. We just argued about Literally anything. And, and, I, and some people may perceive it as argument, but you guys perceive it as conversation. Yeah, that's the other thing is I, us, I used to really not even like, my, you know, I think kids at school probably thought I was like really argumentative or like I know it all. And it it's not that. It's just this weird confidence that I don't know what I'm talking about, but I know what I'm talking about. And that's, you know, it's a family trait I've had to work to kind of get past. I think we all have to. Um but because of that, I'm not really afraid to kind of back down in a fight. And when I when I know something's right, there's this like tick inside of me where I cannot keep my mouth shut. I'm so bad about that. It's like when somebody says something, when when we're like talking about something and say we're discussing technical requirements and somebody who doesn't have any idea what they're talking about tries to tell me what's possible. 
it's like I cannot let it go. I can't. And it's so bad. I'm trying to get better about it. It's just like this little tick inside of me. And I, like, oh, God, I don't want to say it, but uh, actually that's not true. You know, it's just like, and, and so, sorry, I just hit the mic. I don't know if you guys heard that or not. Oh, well. Oh, well. Sorry for your eardrums. Um, bum, 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 bum. So the whole thing is like, I felt like this, uh, th- basically this bad kid. I, fe- I felt like, you know, the kid that was like, call, I keep saying kid because it, you know, felt like a classroom, but whatever. <laughs> I I was like the, the troublemaker. I was causing trouble and I needed, essentially we were being asked to, to be yes men. Just do my bidding and serve me and render unto Caesar what is well, Caesar's. we'll collaborate. We'll collaborate as long as you do what I say. As long as... <laughs> It comes out exactly the way I expect it to. It's collaborative. We all did exactly what we, I wanted. We all sat at the table <laughs> together and discussed it and did exactly what I told you I want you to do. Yes. It's it was collaboration. Collaboration. It's such a great teamwork around here. Oh anyway. Um, if your idea is the only good idea at every meeting, you're not listening to anyone. No. Yes. If you have all the good ideas. And no one has good ideas or no one has good implementation or nobody knows what they're doing or you're trying to clean up everybody else's messes, you got a problem. Yeah. It's not the people that you you that work for you. It's you. It's you. So anyway, uh, if you're always kind of being made to feel like that, like the, the bad apple of the bunch, if you're being like used as an, made an example of all the time, if, if they're like always kind of crapping on you publicly um, and there's not any like real steps put in place for like personal growth or professional improvement, if it's just like, you're the problem, why are you always the problem? Fix it. And that's all you ever get. Yeah, it's a good sign. It's, it's time to move on. Yep. Uh, next one. Let's see. You're the... Uh, you're only there for the people you work with and not for, and that is huge. Okay. If you are only going into work because you like that one person that you work with, it's like, I hate the office space. I love the movie office space. We've talked about it in the past. And if you are Peter and you can tell like the opening scene of the movie, like Peter goes into work to hang out with, um, Michael and, uh, I actually can't not Nahid. I think his name is Nahid uh, character's name. If he's like only there to hang out with him because I think they get it, the first scene they get in and it's like nine 30 and they already already go to lunch is <laughs> all he's there to do is, is hang out with them. He hates his job. Samir. Samir. Yes. It's <clears throat> Samir Nahinanajad. That's his, <laughs> cause his whole scene was like, yes. it's not that hard to say. It's Nahid, uh, Samir Nahinanajad. It's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> Samir, yeah, Samir and Michael Bolton, my favorite. Yeah, God, I love that movie. Um, and they, he's only there to hang out with them. I think in the movie, you never see him do any actual work. That's yeah. kind of the funny thing. They do some real work, but he is there to hang out with them. If that's why you go into work every day, that's not a good enough reason. I'm glad that you like the people you work with, and you should. But if you like, my boss sucks and my work is stupid and I don't care about any of it. I'm just here to hang out with these guys. Mm, you're probably detract, distracting them from their work. You're probably bringing the whole system down and you could be a lot happier if you like, spoiler alert, I hope you've seen Office Space by now. It's been 20 years. That'll make you feel old. Um, uh, I think at this point, 
you uh, you should you know quit your job and become a construction worker. Go do something you actually enjoy, not just what you feel like you're supposed to do. So that's never a strong enough reason to keep somebody around just because you like the people you work with. I know because that's exactly why I was there. Yeah, I think you and I were um, our part of the reasons why we stuck around as long as we did. Yeah. Like we were feeding off each other because we both didn't want to hurt each other. Because mm-hmm. that's what you're thinking is like, I'm going to hurt this person. That's exactly like, how I felt. And it scared the crap out of me because like me, I'm just like, I'm a little younger than you, not much, but a little bit younger, but I'm not married and I don't have the same level of responsibilities. And it always scared the crap out of me, the thought of leaving, especially before we had talked about me possibly leaving. It was just the reason why we both left the same day. Honestly, yeah. (laughs) But it was just like, man, I can't, it was like, oh, I can't do this to Michael. I really can't do this to Michael and his wife. Like, I can't do that. I just knew I would feel horrible. Which the reality was it was worse to think that way Uh than to actually do do it. Yeah, I think you're. I think nobody's more thankful you left that job than your wife. <laughs> so, <laughs> works out fine. Um, yes. But yeah, it was like I, I really, um, I really was scared to like hurt these people. That's a terrible reason to to stick around. Um, at, at the end of the day, because if you're not helping yourself, if you're not doing good by yourself, you can't really do good for anybody else. But it was. There was. A, we stuck around. A lot of it was. Um, trying to do right by the other person. Uh, but that's yeah. just not a reason. You have to put yourself first in this situation. You kind of do. You kind of have to be selfish. Because there are other people relying on you other than your coworkers. You have family that relies on you. You have uh, just friends, other things that you're probably ignoring. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can't remember the last time you went and had dinner or lunch with a friend... As a friend, not as a purposeful business, uh, businessy, thing, yeah. let me sell you something MLM type thing, you know, but just, I won't go to lunch. How are you? Let's catch up. If you can't remember the last time you did that or the last time you did that was years ago, not months ago. That that's, uh, that's tough. Yeah. That's, and that's a problem. That's a big problem. So definitely, um, the good warning sign is like you're only there kind of to to hang out or to be with some coworkers. That's the only thing that you like about your job. It's pretty bad. We have one more warning sign. What's that one, Michael? So this one I, I threw in there because well, we've talked about this in other episodes a little bit, but there's a reality here. So uh let's say that you are you have a side business, right? You have a I don't want to say hustle. I hate that term. I think we have a whole <laughs> That episode. one's for you, Hannah. Yeah, we have a whole ep- Go listen to Hannah Green episode because it's uh, anti-hustle is pretty much the hashtag for that. But, hashtag hustle. Yeah. Anyway, you have a side business that you're doing that's doing well. And I, uh, it's doing really, really well. And the income is starting to, to rise to the point where you could live off that income. Why are you working the other job? Right. Because if, if it's your side business, you probably have a passion for it. Yeah. And, and, you know, deep down, if I could spend more time with it, I could make it better. hundred percent. Like if, if the passion's there, it will grow. It just will. Totally. Yeah. And I actually, uh, I remember this has been a quite a few years ago. I remember reading an article about a uh, actually one of an article. This guy worked at Google 
and look, Google's notorious for like wearing their people out. Like, yeah, they're known for that. But people love it. X Y Z. They love. Uh, I think there's a. I don't know. They get worn out. Well, this guy, he made. <laughs> this is funny. He quit Google with a video, so he made this really nice. I wish I could find. It's been like five years. He made this really nice video of why he was quitting Google, and that's how he like that was his resignation letter. Mm-hmm. And basically, part of it was my side business started picking up, and I could now live off of that income instead. And that's that's one of the reasons why he quit was like, I can now move on. Yeah. My, the, and and y'all probably heard this phrase financial freedom. When you have financial freedom, you can pick and choose your job better. Sure. You don't have to work that job to make that money. If you have the freedom, the financial side freedom, you can go do what you really want to do. And I, I had to learn, like I'm learning that now still, uh, what financial freedom really looks like because moving from job to job, like there's a lot of financial burden that you have to take into account where you can't necessarily do what you want to do. You do what you have to do. Which is which is why so many of the generation before us, this is why they work their 40-year careers. But it's fun, it's foul thinking, right? Oh, I'm going to work here for the next 40 years so that I can retire and do whatever I want. Well, I hate to break it to you. Okay, boomer, that ain't going to happen because you're going to be 70 and you're going to have to watch the grandkids and you're going to have arthritis. And our generation is focused on finding that financial freedom earlier and and we can do that by moving from job to job, if and create we're your own be- retirement plan, right? If we're being smart about the money that comes in, and I think that our generation has kind of figured that out. So yes, if you are just job hopping and you're not saving and you're not working towards any wealth growth or financial freedom, you are you're just going to be trapped in that hamster wheel. Same as your parents, you're going to say, oh, the stupid boomers, they just worked for forty years and then they were and then they retired to nothing. Well, you're going to do the same thing. And you're going to have even less and you're not going to have a pension. So you, you need to be folk. Even if you feel like you're paycheck to paycheck, promise you, you could cut, you could save $50 a month. I promise you, you can save $50 a month. And the earlier you start, the better you're going to be. Oh, yeah. um, it's really, yeah. Set up a Roth IRA. Just do it. Put $50 in it a month minimum. If, if you're you 20 years old. Go to somebody in the financial advisor world and get a Roth IRA. Sure. Or do it yourself. I mean, you, you can, you can sign up with like TD Ameritrade online and do it yourself. It's complicated. It's a simple, wonderful, tax-free thing. Anyway. Yeah. We are not that podcast. but Not that podcast, but that's a very good uh, – I don't even – oh, we just were talking about side businesses. Um, yeah, it's like you can – once your side business gets to a certain point, you have to make that decision of like, maybe this becomes my main business. It doesn't have to remember that you can scale it back down. You can scale it back down at any time. Um, but if you kind of hate your job and you kind of have this side business, that's kind of doing really well. And you could kind of live off that money. You should kind of quit your other job. But I would suggest, um, cause most side businesses is very seat of the pants, you know, write down a plan of if I went full-time with this job, what would my plan be? So you don't make the switch and you're not sure what you're doing in six months because you should know what you're doing in one year and three years Um, because reality is if you're trying to grow it, what does that look like? And what does it like to put 50 hours into it and not 10 each week? You know, that type of thing. So just be conscious of that because you may realize that you even if you put more time into it, it may not change it because it's the nature of your little business that you have. But just keep that in mind. But all that being said, 
it goes back to your passion and the income is where it needs to be. Why not switch? Yeah. Well, why do you keep the, oh, I got to keep my retirement plan, blah, blah. Nah, nah. nah. You can do other things. Yep. Anyway. All right. So we're, we're pushing time on this a little bit, but. Let's was, actually talk about the title of this episode, how to actually quit your job. No, put two different re- ways to do it. There Just are two, two radically different ways, but there's only two ways that you can quit your job. There's a bad way and a smart way. <laughs> Pretty much that, yeah. One um, can get you put into jail. <laughs> One could just be really nice and pleasant and a nice experience. Um, it won't necessarily be, but you can do it the right way or the wrong way. So let's talk about the wrong way first. Um, this is kind of your rage quit method. This is... I, And this is me. Kind of. I wasn't rage. But it was like emotional. It was, I'm fed up. I can't do this anymore. I'm out. I'm out of here. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, like literally my phrase to my boss was, I quit. That's it. In front of him, I just said, I quit. And it was like, wait, what? I'm out. I'm done. And that was the pure emotion going into that. I quit. You just you just let it go, you know. And there was, of course, following that was argument. Why are you doing this? Blah blah. blah. But there was no warning sign to him. <laughs> just there was no warning I, sign to you. Uh, no, there wasn't. <laughs> Sorry, but there was no warning sign. To, there was no warning. Oh, hit the mic. Sorry, people. There was no warning sign to anyone. Not, not even you. Not even myself. You didn't know you were quitting your job when you woke up that morning. No, you just re- and and so Michael probably was on the better side of the bad idea scale. Like it, it you, you at least did it tastefully and I, I, I guess, guess. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. But it was like very much a oh wow, I can't do this anymore. I quit. Yeah, you know that was, was my like mentality. Like I, this, this isn't gonna work. I I couldn't see beyond the next day because. Well, what it boiled down to was I knew panic was leaving. Yeah, I had already. Well, we'll talk about that in a second, but I was definitely out the door already. I knew the weekend before he was out because and on that Monday it was sealed because you got your written offer Mm -hmm. and you were locked in. Right, Sign the papers. You were ready to quit like that. Yeah, I was just waiting. I was just giving. And I was pushing you like, hey, don't just. Don't do what I'm about yeah, to do. Yeah, you literally <laughs> told me not to do that, and then you did that. I know. I feel so bad. I took all your thunder. But uh, all that being said, it was I literally that morning. Let's get into that day for half a second. That morning, I was like, I'm going to clean my desk up. And I wasn't thinking about quitting. I was like, I'm just going to clean my desk up. It looks a little dirty. I'm going to throw away I think away you all. were. I think subconsciously, subconsciously I was you were, there. You were doing it. And so I like I threw away a bunch of paper. I'm like, I don't need this anymore. I just, I, my desk looked really good. And I was like, all right, guys, I got to go XYZ meeting. Um, I'll see you all tomorrow. Cause I had, cause I had a meeting that afternoon and an over an hour drive to get to it. So I was like, ah, you won't see me the rest of the day. Okay. See y'all tomorrow. And I took a really long drive and then reality set in. And then I had an ultimate, I was like, God, if this is what you wanted to do, this is going to happen this way. And it did. And it was that quick. It was the one of the scariest things I had done in a while. Like, you know, when you are shaking because you have to do something like this was that was that moment where I got out of the car. I got to where I needed to be to make this happen. I got out of the car. I said, OK, here we go. Showtime. 
went there. He opened the door. I quit. And I could not believe I said it. I can't believe. And I don't, he couldn't You didn't either. say anything else before that, right? It was my, it was a concern look. It like, was like, well, hey, Mike. Hey, what, what are you doing here? Or what's wrong? Because I think he's, I'm sure I was like teared at that point or water eyed or something. He kind of like, what's wrong? I said, I quit. And yeah. And then went, stra- went straight into like recovery mode. And <sighs> yeah, I got to take a deep breath. Huh? <laughs> Yeah. I did it. Oh, no. What happens next? Anyway, all that being said, don't do that <laughs> because please, I had no backup plan. I had no job offer. I had nothing, right? I mean, Nada. nothing in, in writing, nothing. And some opportunities, opportunities, but they were just potential. It was just discussions. It wasn't yeah. like you were, tell me when. It wasn't that. And so, and I'll be honest, if I didn't have the savings I had in place, I don't know. You know, it just would have been really awful. But the thing, it was so funny because, like like I said, nobody knew I was, I wasn't, I didn't even know. So when I call Courtney, my wife, and she's like, what? (laughs) Because that was the other rule I broke. I didn't like actually have a sit down and talk to my spouse about what I want to do because it's going to affect everyone involved. Yes. Oh, and by the way, I knew that we were having a baby too, and I, I was breaking every freaking rule there you, was to you break. You did. You did it the worst possible. But you know what? I have survived. You have and thrived. You've done. You're doing really well. So I, it's like points. you can be stupid. And you can still survive. Now, I will say this. I was not this is going into this rage, emotional. We have a sub point to this. Don't be disgruntled and damage things on the way out. You know, ruin stuff. In our world, deleting files. Like, technically, I had access to bank accounts, oh, servers. Yeah. We, could have, we could have stolen the money and, and trashed, trashed the code, deleted the code base forever, removed, you know, broken down every server. We could have the honestly equivalent locked. Of, equivalent of setting the building on fire. For sure. We could have locked the owner out of every single account. Because we had that access, but we didn't do any of that. No, why would we? No, that's stupid. For the That's love. asking for a lawsuit. D- Good grief. You're going to get sued. You're going to get sent to jail. Probably, yes. Because you're damaging property at that point. You're committing misdemeanors and felonies at that point. And you're not accomplishing anything. No. You it just, won't even make you feel better. You can't even get to your next... You know how hard it's going to be? What happened to your last job? Uh, <laughs> right. Please well, don't do don't that. Don't do that. Don't... Like, we had the capability. Didn't touch it. You know what I gave when... Because I, I was in sales, and so... My life was inside a CRM. If you need to know what I was doing, it lived there. He had access to that. He had an admin login. That's fine. He had logins to everything. I had logins to. I literally just gave him my keys to the building. That was it. Yeah. So he had. He, you know, FYI, the owners out there, you need to make sure you own your workspace, your oh, organizational email. Oh, yes. Be an admin so you can reset passwords and log in. Drop of a hat. Because you don't want somebody to control that. Uh, you need to make sure you have a password ability to... Everything you set up needs to be set up with you involved. Like, if you... if In our world, if you have servers, the key contact still needs to be the owner. Mm-hmm. You can have subcontacts, but the key... I need to reset an email address or a password needs to be sent to your email address as the owner, not anybody else's, because you're at your best interest at that point, right? Anyway, to avoid chaos so yeah 
don't do that. Don't be emotional when you're quitting. Be methodical. And that goes into our next piece. This is what panic, like, think about this, guys. We quit on the same day from the same job in the same two-hour window. Yeah. And we did it completely different ways. Just utter, complete different ways. And we had completely different outcomes, but we're ultimately both happy. Right? We survived. Yeah. I mean, it... It worked out for both of us. I don't know that it always will. It And it doesn't matter if you do things, quote, the right way, the good way, or the bad way. It can still mess up. You, you just, you know. So here's kind of, quote, the good way to do things, um, which I didn't do all of this to a T or anything. I, I'll just tell you kind of what I did. So like I said, you know, um, it was last summer. I suddenly had a friend offer me that was like, hey, you should try for this position. And I eventually... I just was kind of like, uh, maybe, but I got really scared and I didn't do anything about it and really regretted it because when I finally, like a month after that, I was so fed up. I was like, you know what? I am. I'm going to interview. And so I called him and I said, Hey man, is that job still available? And he goes, we just hired somebody. Like, Dang it. <laughs> yeah. It just kind of like crushed me. And he goes, but, um, I know that we're looking for something else you might be interested in. Why don't you get on the call? I did. That thing didn't really go through. That passed me on to another company where I went through, where they had an opening, had friends who worked there, went through the whole hiring process there. And then that led to nothing. And then I was really crushed. I went and talked to a friend of mine who's the CTO of a startup and was basically like, look, man. And he had been kind of helping me already, but I was like, look, man, I, I got to get out. Is there anything? Do you guys have? He was like, well, you know, we are looking, we're going to be looking for somebody in this position. Um, eventually I'm going to see if I can get you on. He got me on to do some freelance work, uh, as kind of a foot in the door thing. And then that fell through uh, because basically the job I was trying to go for, they hired somebody else who was supposed to be a quote interim who he and I worked together well. And I kind of thought, Oh, maybe this is a good sign, you know, because he likes me and we're working. No, they just hired him and they didn't hire anybody else. <laughs> so whatever, I wasn't really bitter. And plus but, I was doing freelance work. I got money didn't from it, give up. but I didn't give up. Be, um, but I definitely didn't know what to do at that point. I was very lost. I felt kind of like a puppy, like wandering the streets and just like, please somebody give me something else to do. Like I can't do this. Um, but I didn't, rage quit. I didn't give up. I kept trying. And then eventually, um, found, uh, we had a really terrible day at, I'm not even going to get into the details that day, but basically I think we might've even already talked about it. Uh, but at some point I don't remember, but it blew, everything blew up. And then there was this question of legality. Suddenly it became clear that I had to actually go to the owner and question the behavior and I was argued that basically essentially the law didn't apply, didn't apply. Yeah. And at that point in my, like my, our mind shifts both probably shifted hard. Like, uh-huh. like uh, this is okay. This, we can't accept this could hurt us just as much as the company. And we don't know. Yeah. I was like, well, I hate this job and I'm definitely not going, I'm not going to sacrifice. Yeah. I'm not going to sacrifice myself. So I went home that day and just blanket applied to like every company I could think of in the area. I sent out 20 emails and applied with like 30 online forms. I was just like, is what, 
what I did that whole night. I sat actually right here in this room. I didn't do anything. And just powered. I was just like, <laughs> I'm getting out of here. Brr, everything I could find. Um, and I got a few responses. I took a couple of, uh, I took them all, um, met, had some coffees, whatever. Finally found the job I'm at now, yada, yada. And it comes down to where it's been two weeks since the blow up. And I got a full formal offer letter. I did two interviews with this company. I was feeling pretty good. I liked everybody I'd met. I was trying very hard not to just go with the first thing that came my way. I had actually I know, turned you and down I, two you jobs at this point. Talked about that job mm-hmm. before you committed because we were both like, we can't. You can't do this just out of reaction, right? And so there was that fear: Am I just doing this job out of reaction? Am I going to hate? By this? telling myself it sounds good. Is the grass greener? on the other side, yeah. you know, and I remember talking about that on a Friday and then on a Sunday you had like talked to some other people who had been there for a while and they just confirmed everything that you were thinking and it mm-hmm. was all positive. Yeah. Even one guy who <coughs> was like, he, he didn't say he hated it, but he was like, he, he was almost like, I don't like it for personal reasons, but it is a wonderful company and you'll love working there, which was so strange. I was like, that's a very good sign. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, it was a guy that used to work there. I'm sorry. <laughs> he does not don't. Cause I think my managers <laughs> listen to this. That's not one of your people, man. Nobody. <laughs> Wait, who is this? I'm going to get called into the you, office. Get a you get a oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Next Monday. So I get a Slack message. Hey man, uh, come see me when you get a, who listen to your that? podcast. Uh, come see me. <laughs> Um, no, it was, yeah, it was a guy who used to work there and he was like, I basically got burnout. I didn't like it for personal reasons. You're going to love it. Um, I felt very good about it. They made me, you know, they accepted my, my own ticket price. Yeah. I, I actually, they asked me what I thought I wanted to be paid and I said it and they were like, yep, that sounds right in the money. And they sent me an offer letter and I signed it that Monday, like Michael said. So from there, so I kind of knew the weekend before everything, before I actually quit that I was on my way out the door. So here is what I did. Um, this is on the, on the vein of like doing things the right way. I normally, we would say this, know your start date and your end date. Uh, sorry, know your start date and, uh, and have an offer letter signed first. That's the first thing you got to do on paper, on paper, then write a letter to your boss, tart, Talk to them. I think you should write a letter. I'm a big proponent of that. Like you should write a formal letter of of resignation or whatever. Comp, you know, tell the things you liked about the job, whatever. Be be nice, be formal, but write a real letter and then go have a real conversation with your direct uh, manager, your direct report mm-hmm. before you talk to any coworkers. Before you tell anybody that you're quitting. Before you do, talk to your bosses first. I think you owe that to them because if they're good, they'll have okay. We're this is how we're going to tell everybody else yes right right so obviously i didn't do either of those things um <laughs> obviously then, uh, <laughs> then you gotta turn in your equipment okay absolutely turn in all your equipment so that's what i'm getting to first thing i did was take we again Can we just end up going this when we say equipment it could be ip stuff so yes. intellectual property so that's what i'm so that's what i'm saying the first thing i did was took um an external hard drive did we already have it or did I just buy it? We had it as a backup drive. That's right. It was our backup. So, so I, we had lots of extra Basically, space it was it. a little file server. I took every file. I've been working there for nine years. I took every file I had ever touched, edited, made that lived on my hard drive, both my new computer and my old computer, because they're 
their personal computers. Obviously, if you have a a work system, which is companies, this is why you should buy your people computers. But if you're using a personal computer for work, which we had to, I took every file from the old computer, every file from the new computer, and I put it on our little file server and backed it up there. Then I made sure that there were backups of all the servers uh, on that drive of all of our remote files, just in case, just so there was no, then I removed those files from my computer. Um, I, what else did I do? I made sure that every password I had every, um, I deleted all my server keys on my SSH keys. You made sure you had all your design files, all the design files, current projects. Yes. Documented where you were on. Yes. Wrote all of that down, put it all on the file, printed off some sheets of stuff, information, um, made Yes. I was also kind of a project manager. So I made pretty detailed notes about where every project was. And technically, which I think funny, like a month before we quit, um, we had a discussion with our owner about how our process worked and wrote down everything. Mm-hmm. Subconsciously, we were defining how we did everything. Yeah. And so I just think you leave with a clean conscience, right? Yeah. yeah. So you, you don't want to leave saying I screwed them. Right. I didn't want to, I had no reason to, I just wanted out. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last thing that I did was I, you know, clear, I took uh, any personal stuff clear off my desk left only what belonged to the company. Um, actually had some old uh, company equipment at home. I made sure that I put all that together, took it to the office. I did this a couple days in advance, left it there. It was all there, ready to go. I took all my personal stuff out. Um, the owner came down to our office after Michael talked my, to him. My bad way of quitting. Yeah. And he comes, he called me and was like, are you quitting? And I was like, yep, uh, I am. And he was like, well, are you going to be in the office today and i was like well yeah i mean i'm not i just i told he was like well when are you when were you gonna tell me i was like friday and he's like are you gonna be the office today? i was like well yeah i'm gonna i was gonna quit on friday i'm still working man like i'm still here he's like well just just stay there just be at the office when i get there and i was like i can do that oh that was the phone call before he came yes okay so uh so he comes down I went back to the office, packed all my stuff. I sent everybody else home that was there. I just kind of was afraid it might get messy. So everybody was there. I was like, you guys go work remote. Everything's cool. Just just go work remote. Um, told the intern, I was like, hey, I'm I'm quitting. I'm probably not going to see you again. Thank you for all your hard work, dedication. You're a great worker. I feel so bad um, for that intern. <laughs> kind of. Uh, told, told the other worker who was there a little bit about what was going on. Um, said, I'll call you later and give you the details because we and, were and, personal and, friends. And I was saying, and they kind of knew. Yeah, they, they were in on the gig. They just didn't realize it was happening so fast. None of us did. Um, then when they left, I took all my stuff, put it in my car, uh, wheeled everything out, and then I took my key card and my door key, uh, put it on top of the stack of papers and the every and you know and everything. And when he came, I think he thought he was gonna maybe talk me down. I just said, you know, this is just the end of the line. I have another job. Uh, it's what I need for me. I just told the truth. It's what I need for me, um, and I'm I'm leaving. And we shook hands and then he uh asked if i was going to be available and i told him point blank no uh you won't have any contact with me um all of my files that i've ever touched are on that hard drive and all of the project documentation is right there on my desk and that was it i mean it was emotional because i was emotional because i was unhappy but i still tried to do things as 
uh, purposefully diplomatic, straightforward as possible so that there was no way, you know, that that anybody could come back and say, like, well, you stole that. You took this. You you don't want to deal with that. Technically, we had some issues afterwards. Yeah. And you always can run into that. And it was more of a miscommunication. Yeah. Than anything. Yeah. But uh, now all that being said. You almost did it the way a, a normal person, but you never did the full notice of like, because the reason why people do two week notices, the reason why people request two week notice is because they need to transition mm-hmm. everything. So you don't miss anything. Now a lot, and this is part of the uh, point sub points here. When you tell, when you get, I'm just being honest, if you're going to give somebody a two week notice, be prepared to be leaving the next day. Cause oh, they, yeah. Because they're probably going to say, you can go ahead and leave. Yeah. Um, it depends it's on your like, and I've heard people say like, uh, the, the importance you think you have at your job becomes a reality when you turn your two week notice and they have somebody in place of you a week later, mm-hmm. you're not that important anymore. Yep. Uh, and there's where reality hits just like that. And so, but all being said, be prepared. Like panic was saying, when you turn your two week notice to go ahead and be prepared that you may be not coming back the next day. Yeah. Uh, now, I, mean, I plan to work till the, till the end of the week. Because I knew the second that this came to light, I, I knew this person well enough to know they were going to ask me to just go ahead and leave. I, I knew yeah. there was no two weeks. I, there was no sense in it. And if I'd stuck around for two weeks, it would have been bad. Because, again, there was some legality question in place. And that's a, a big point that we wanted to make is, like, this is all nice and formal and good. And if you're working for a bank, a big bank, and you're, like, one of a million people. You work for some huge company, you're one of a million people, and this is standard procedure. Um, but if suddenly, and this happens in big companies for sure, I'm just saying if you suddenly find yourself in a legally questionable position, suddenly you realize this and person we, is breaking say, the law. Or and when you say legally questionable, you don't know what they're doing is right or wrong. Yes. You don't know if it's – now, if you can straight up be like, oh, this person they're is running – They're stealing money. They're stealing money. <laughs> this is a drug ring. Whatever. Like, get yeah, out. Get out. <laughs> but if you're like, I don't know if this is – if you're like, wow, this doesn't seem right. And you look at the law and it's like, this is probably illegal or this seems wrong. Or they straight up say something to the effect of I'll break the law. I don't care, whatever. It's time to just get out at any, you know, and at that point you don't want to rage quit and you don't want to do anything stupid, but you can definitely just up and say, here's my stuff. I'm out. Goodbye. Yeah. So guys, that was the two ways that we quit. Yeah. Uh, interesting episode little little more focused on managerial uh you know for well managers, and a lot but, of that's because if the leadership was different we may still be there yeah but, i think in a lot of cases if management is good you don't have people rage quit if they trust you they don't have to do the emotional quitting they thing. do they do it for like a literal personal type of reason not a i hate you right it's it's usually more like I think if, if you really – like if I had to quit my job today, it would be really hard. Not because I'm scared to move on because I'm like, wow, I really like all I of you guys. I don't want to give I don't want to like hurt you. I don't want you to have to deal with this. You're you're like really good people and but it's possible I would not say, want to rage quit. Well, and I, I've seen where uh, comp- like bosses, have, like they recognize their person is leaving and they help them mm-hmm. transition – and it's a, like a real pot, like it's an emotional in the sense of I'm sad to go, but at the same time, like, no, this is better. Yeah. This sucks. This, but is, I understand. this is a it's great opportunity. You. you should do this. I'll be fine. 
you know, that type of thing. Like I have a friend right now. He is like, I've gone, I've known him the past year. And, uh, as I was saying something to him, I saw him yesterday and he's like, well, I'm actually, uh, moving to Huntsville. And I said, really? He said, yeah, I, uh, my wife got a job up there and it's a good opportunity. So we're just going to move up there. I'll find a job. I was like, well, man, I, I hate that. Let's, yeah. let's catch up before you leave. And, but it's like accepting. And he had somebody and talking about being replaced. He was already had somebody with him that he was training Bingo. to replace him. So, right. so don't think that you quitting will destroy that company. Now, if it's a company of one, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you no more. It's over. It's a company of two, maybe, but beyond that, you know, it can survive. It, it can change. It can adapt. It's going to find another you. You're, I hate to say this, you're not that unique. You're really not. Your skill set is good, but it can be replaced. Yeah. It can no be trained. Is, no one is totally uniquely suited for their job. There's there's a million of you. I mean, maybe it, not a million. It, feels, but... <laughs> it makes you feel small and insignificant, but it's just the truth. You might be a rarity. There's not many uh, like developer in this, in this area, there's like no developers that are, well, they're actually, that's not even true. I've now found people in this area who are true custom WordPress developers. I even found out that one of the guys who builds WordPress core lives in this town. We're going to apparently get coffee. Eventually I need to work that out, but it's like, I used to think, well, man, I, I think I'm like the last person who does really true, like building custom plugins and really knows what I'm doing. Uh, uh-uh. uh, there's a guy who builds freaking the actual, software WordPress, he lives in this town and I'm just building stuff on top of his work. So you're really not totally unique. There are other people unless yeah. it's just like you and your thing that you made and you're the only person who knows how to use it. But at that point, y- yeah, if you quit, the whole company's gone for sure. So, um, I think with all of that, you know, it's been an interesting look at leaving a job. I want to say one more time that we are never going to necessarily encourage you to quit your job. If we ever get a phone call from an angry boss that says, <laughs> half hey, my team left, <laughs> half my team left because of your stupid podcast, I'm going to be like, well, man, have your team left because of your stupid you. But then I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take the fall for you. This podcast is not encouraging you to quit your job or alter your life in any way. It's encouraging you to make healthy choices and only you can know what the right thing to do is. Cause you don't want to go back, look back 40 years from now and say, why did I torture myself mm-hmm. that long? Yeah, for sure. I what mean, is our, uh, we, we kind of said to ourselves now, why did we do that for eight, oh, eight, yeah. eight plus years? And we're young and we didn't lose that much by being there. But still, uh, nothing we haven't pretty much regained, but know. it's still hard to say, like, what was I thinking? Why did I do that? Mm. And in, in today's world, you have the flexibility to make a change. Yeah, you do. All right. So long episode. Sorry. But so takeaway. Here's our takeaway. It's really simple. It's OK to leave a toxic job. Just do it properly based on the situation. That's it. That's it. That's it. When you when it's time to go, it's time to go. Just do the right thing, depending on the situation. Um, leave well, mm-hmm. and uh, and then you know go into your next job boldly, and th- take yourself into account. Hold yourself accountable. And don't make the same mistakes again. Learn from the past. Yada yada yada. I hate to sound like a uh, a fortune cookie, but uh, <laughs> that's kind of the best advice we have. 
Um, so if you are someone you know and love is uh, suffering from mesothelioma, I mean, uh, quitting your job or planning to, um, why don't you email us? Let us know, um, especially if you just quit your yeah, job. Yeah, let's hear how you did Love it. to hear How did you quit about, your job? How did you quit your job? Or what was the, the deciding factor that said, I'm out? Mm-hmm. Give us those stories. Those are always fun. Um, we've had a couple more emails recently. Uh, we're going to get to one soon from a school teacher. That's going to be very interesting because I think we like to think about teachers maybe in a different light. They deal with uh, all that we deal with and so much more because their, quote, employees are actually just irrational children. So, <laughs> uh, And then also it sounds like some of the management sometimes, I mean, their school board is also just irrational children. So we're going to we're gonna have a really good time with that one. Uh, we have a lot of fun stuff coming up. We're almost to the end of the season. Once we hit episode 20, we're going to be uh, taking a break until we come back in the new year. Um, so I hope you guys have been enjoying this. Thank you so much for all the, the letters and the love and all the things that you do to make it feel like it's worth our while. We're glad that this is helping, and we hope that uh, you have a wonderful week, and we will see you guys next time. Awesome. See you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work-Life Balance. If you have questions or stories you'd like to share, email us at worklifebalanceshow at gmail.com or call in on Anchor. We'd love to have you on the show.